Leaving a frat party off campus in 1996 at California Polytechnic State University, Tim Davis noticed something strange. Laying on the grass next door was Kristen Smart, a freshman at the college who had attended the party and apparently had a little too much to drink. Tim woke her up and offered to help her get back to her dorm room, at which point another student named Paul Flores volunteered for the task, accompanied by Cheryl Anderson. After walking for a bit, Cheryl split off from the others and left Paul to guide Kristen to her dorm. This was the last time Kristen Smart was seen, and to this day, she has not been found. Recently, there has been some activity in the case, and we might finally be getting some answers. Will we finally know what happened to Kristen Smart? Betches Media presents Not Another True Crime Podcast. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Welcome back, everybody. It's Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine. And I'm Danny Murphy. And you know us. We're your partners in wine, crime, and time. And I'm actually drinking out of my true crime and chill mug right now. Oh, love that. I'm drinking seltzer out of a wine glass. Oh, very Ramona of you. So like similar vibes. Similar vibes. <laughs> if I was Ramona, I'd be drinking Pinot Grigio. And you know what? I wish I was doing that. That uh, Can I tell you? It's been that kind of week. Well, whatever. <laughs> it truly has. It truly has. And it's been a big week in this Kristen Smart case. There were updates as early as today or yeah, I think even yesterday, too. It is. It isn't. I feel like every time I go on my phone now, this is why we had to do this uh, episode. We wanted to really jump on this because every hey, time so. I'm on my phone, there's a new article about this and not in the kind of way where like a lot of traditionally cold cases missing people go where they're like, well, this mailman has a new memory about when they grew up. You know, we're actually getting evidence and substantial evidence at that. Yeah, no, this is really exciting. I feel like some of the cases we cover were just like so stumped at the end of it and some we've covered and we're kind of like all right we we think we know what happened and it's just a matter of somebody somebody finally coming forward with what they know exactly this i think is a matter of just finally getting a warrant <laughs> and, you know or just like someone doing their job and like getting some some answers or forcing someone to get some answers yeah yeah, totally. But so we're going to be talking about the disappearance of Kristen Smart. Also, before we get into that, uh, guys, please follow us on Instagram, NATC Pod. For now, might be changing it. Unsure. Put in the request. But for now, it's NATC Pod. You know what? Just follow us on our personal Instagrams. <laughs> yeah. I- in the meantime, and also um, join our Facebook group, Not Another True Crime Group. Everybody's posting a lot of updates, especially to this case in there. So we're we're discussing it. We're going deep in there. It is like twenty four seven breaking news in there. It's a it's a it's a good time. Yeah, so much breaking news and TikToks essentially. Uh, th- that's all my brain is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where I get my news. It's from TikTok. <laughs> Honestly, it kind of is that is bad to say. All the news and like science I did not learn in middle school or forgot about. I'm like, oh wow, water. Yeah, I've learned honestly so many things on TikTok. Yeah, I don't know if any of it's actually true, but I, I've in- obtained the knowledge of something. Yeah. <laughs> Well, one I was really shocked by that I had to go then go fact check because I was like, this can't be true. It was like, apparently animals don't sleep for like six months when they hibernate. I remember reading about that, uh, reading about that on TikTok. I'm, that's how stupid I am. That's, you know, I'm a communications major. I just said I read about that on TikTok. Uh, right. I'll, I'll literally be like, oh, yeah, I read this article. And then I'll be like, OK, full disclosure. I just read the headline on yeah. Twitter. 
I saw like a 17 year old doing a dance to it with the text on it to Doja Cat. So kind of. (laughs) And it's the same, exactly the same. But no, this one, we actually did read some full articles, everybody. So don't you worry. Don't you worry. So let's just get into it. First, some background. Kristen Denise Smart was born February 20th, 1977 in Augsburg, Germany to Stan and Denise Smart. They were both American and they were teachers who'd been working in Germany and they were basically teaching the children of military personnel who were stationed there. Hmm. Kristen had two younger siblings, a brother and a sister, and they lived in Germany for a few years. And then the family moved back to their home in Yuba County, California. So during this time, Kristen went to Lincoln High School in Stockton and had, you know, a very happy, normal upbringing. Uh, she did a lot of traveling. The summer of her sophomore year of high school, she spent some time outside of London with her family friends. The following summer, she was an exchange student in Venezuela because she wanted to become fluent in Spanish. I did nothing with my time in high school. I really literally say I didn't even have a job. Like I just went to summer camp. Like I did not. I I, yeah. She okay. Yeah, I'm looking inward at myself now. (laughs) Right. So then, the summer before her senior year, Kristen did the honors program at UCSB. No, US. Yeah, I think I nailed that. Okay, whatever. We're not going to dwell on the abbreviations. And then the summer before her freshman year of college, she was a camp counselor and a lifeguard at a camp in Hawaii, which sounds like my dream job. And it actually was what Kristen described as her dream job. And then after she graduated high school, she enrolled in California Polytechnic State University in San Luis Obispo as an architecture major and... Unfortunately, that is where it all went wrong. Not the architecture major, but the college. Yeah. And I do know that that college is like, well, well esteemed, like a very hard, intense school to get into. Because whenever I was over there, I would be like, poly, like it's like the tr- like it's like cream of the crop. So it's like such an impressive I mean, it place has polytechnic into. in the title. So I'm like, that shit is way harder than my liberal arts school than <laughs> I went to, I'm sure. I truly do not. I have not gotten to the TikTok that taught me what that word means. So I genuinely do not know. <laughs> That's a good point. Technic means I kind of know what California means, but yeah, all those kind things. of, but only like a little bit. Only a little bit. I do know that San Luis Obispo's saying is they like to slow down over there because it's very chill, and it's because it's S L O San Luis Obispo. I like that. I feel like I know of that. I don't know why it makes me think of Big Little Lies because Big Little Lies was like Monterey. Monterey, but kind of in that area. And by area, I mean <laughs> Northern California. Okay, you know. Meh. I've definitely heard of this place before, so it's cool. I don't know which TV show is set there, but it's there. And also um, Edna Valley wine distributes from there too. Ooh, there we go. That's the vineyard. And fun fact, uh, the winemaker there is one of the few female winemakers who like run a vineyard and everything. And she's a boss bitch. I met her once and love her. Oh my God. I'm jealous. I feel like you guys must've become fast friends. You don't understand. We still DM on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Like she's my everything. If post code, like that's where that's a place we should actually visit too. We have to go. Oh my god! Live podcast recording from the vineyard. Let me tell you. Put a pin in that because that'd be so fun. Okay. Yes, guys. If you want to do this and join us in our live podcast on the vineyard, just DM us and ATC yeah. Pod. Who knows what we would talk about? But we'd have the time of our lives. Oh yeah. Because we'll just drink wine and talk to everybody. We want to cover a case, but maybe yeah, we I can promise. Regardless. Okay. Back to where the like Sarah said. It, Things started to go wrong. The disappearance. So on Friday, May 24th, 1996, it was around 8.30 p.m. She left her dorm with a few friends to go to a frat party 
at just like an unofficial frat house near campus. As we all, as we all do. Oh, my only was like eight thirty. That's our, we we were still pregaming yeah, at Fordham at eight thirty. But I guess you're right. Yeah, I feel like at Emory we were like maybe getting back from dinner at that point. But right. you know and what? Then, like, do- Sometimes actually, I feel like. Well, I don't know if this is all of California, but I remember in LA, the bars would close at two and last uh, call would be at like one in the morning. So you would have to start pregaming like so fucking early, like at dinner time. You're right. Okay. That is, that's actually true. That, that also had to do nothing. That was just me being like, did I just, was I just a weird person going up that late? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like her friends though, had a change of heart and decided that they did not want to go to this party so they dropped her off a few blocks away and she went by herself right there all i'm gonna say is where is the friend code not blaming anyone for anything but i'm just saying i i have gone to a lot of parties begrudgingly because my friend wanted to go to like wave at someone they liked but that's just besides the fact i know also i i'm so curious about what was the deal with this party? Like who was there? Um, I don't even like to go to a birthday party where the only person I know is the birthday girl or boy. No, because I'm like so awkward. I'm like, who do I talk to? What do I do? I'm just going to stand in the corner and text. I, exactly. And I hate walking into parties by myself. Cause I'm always just like, where do I, what's my first move? Like what's happening? I need you need, you need, you need your um like party double. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely do. Yeah. So the next thing that we know after she was dropped off alone at this party is that Tim Davis, one of the party hosts, found her lying on the grass on the neighbor's lawn. So she was passed out apparently from either alcohol and or drug use, something all we know is that she was passed out. He woke her up and was going to help her get home uh, along with another acquaintance, uh, Cheryl Anderson. When this third guy showed up and said he would also help, he wanted to help, uh this guy was paul flores uh a food science major which was a popular major there i do remember reading about that uh also from cal poly he was 19 years old and he had met Kristen at the party the same night mm. mm-hmm. they decided to go back to the house so paul cheryl and Kristen walked together until they were all on campus and then they split off to go to their separate dorms of course you're like okay we're because this was an off-campus frat uh unofficial mm-hmm. frat house so they're back on campus now uh, they all were separating, and Paul told Cheryl that he would make sure Kristen got home safe because he was his whole thing was I live the closest to where her dorm is. I got her, no worries. Sure, that makes sense. You know what? The person was closest. Do that. This though was the last known sighting of her, and to this day, she has never been found. So, what happened after that? So the following morning, Kristen's roommate contacted campus police since Kristen never made it home from the night before. And this shit, first of all, pop your blood pressure medication before we go any further. Get your pillow ready to scream into it because this makes me so angry. Britney Spears, I want to scream and shout and let it all out like that. You are now now rocking with Will I Am and the fucking campus police. The worst. The worst. So... Basically, after getting the report, the campus police low-key refused to do anything for four days because it was mm-hmm. Memorial Day weekend. And the initial theory was that Kristen took an unplanned trip because apparently students would often take unplanned vacations that time of year. But like, who just takes an unplanned trip after a night out? Like, that's right. not how that works at all. Yeah, she went from a frat party 
to the airport. I don't think that's usually the end. Right. Nobody does that. Like I know Chloe on, on um, the circle talked about how she met a guy at a bar and then they booked trip to trips to Paris, but like they never went on that trip and nobody's fucking doing that. I'm sorry. No one's doing that. Paul Blart wouldn't even believe that. A mall cop wouldn't even believe that. Come on, mall cop. Yeah, this is terrible. And they also didn't even contact the real police during this time. They were just like, Meh. and that is a direct quote. <laughs> <laughs> so then four days later, there was still no sign of Kristen. So the police actually, you know, got off their asses and started digging around. But this delay was fucking terrible. And police later admitted that it really screwed up the investigation. No shit. No, you. And Kristen's parents were obviously rightfully infuriated and they believe that they lost valuable time and evidence during this period, which seems like a no brainer to me. Yeah, they definitely did. So eventually the state did conduct a big scale search for Kristen. Uh, This included people on horseback, helicopters and volunteers scouring the area where she went missing, but it didn't really turn up anything. Her dorm room wasn't even searched until 10 days after her disappearance, which is crazy. Um, Also, not to mention the rooms of any suspects also weren't searched for as long. And this was just like, again, a huge fuck up, a completely terrible, like not even oversight, like lack of doing your job. Irresponsibility. Yeah, there we go. And so because of this, a few years after her disappearance, The California legislature passed the Kristen Smart Campus Safety Act in 1998, which forces university police units to enter into agreements with local law enforcement agencies that clarify operational responsibilities for investigations of violent crimes, sexual assaults and hate crimes occurring on campuses. Basically, it requires them to work with the police department and to also like notify them within a certain amount of time. So this shit can't happen again, at least in California. Yeah, so they can't just say again, oh, maybe she went to Cabo. And it's like, yeah, oh my God, I would be so pissed if I went missing and the police were like, maybe she went to Bali. Like, yeah, you never hey, know. Uh, who has that much chill in them to just, lo- like, I could not, like, to just, like, and money. Home over like, you're talking just- about a college student. God. Where are you going? I mean, I know they don't think she took an international trip, but still, it's just like, you don't go from like, all right, bye. I'll see you later. I'm going to a party to like taking a trip. That just doesn't add up. Also in college, I don't, I don't think what freshman has like random trip money. You know what I mean? Right. I had a 24 D beer that I like the subpar Bud Light. I drank at a dive bar. I did not have the money to go to like even a bolt bus. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had like $3 to my name. No. Yeah. My freshman year. So let's get into one of the primo suspects who it's kind of the reason also why we're doing this case right here now, uh, Paul Flores. So after the police finally emphasis on finally got started <laughs> with the investigation, one of this prime suspect, Paul was the last person to be seen with Kristen that night. As we discussed, he was the person who was like, I'll walk her home. Never made it home. When questioned by the police, he claimed that after they split up from Cheryl, the woman, the girl who was also helping them get Kristen back to campus, they walked together a short while and he last saw Kristen on Grand Avenue, which is inside campus and went to his own dorm. Also at this part too, you were going to help a girl who was unconscious, passed out. You just let her go down the, if this was his story, you're just letting her go down a block alone. Right, right. Doesn't make any sense. No. 
So then on May, so on May 25th, there were multiple reports of him walking around with a black eye, and he apparently gave himself different reasons for this. What the fuck? That is sketchy as hell. Very tattoo. All the things she said. So all the things he said about this black eye. He first said that he had gotten it playing basketball with a friend, but they questioned the friend, and he said that Paul showed up that day with the black eye. So zilch there. So then he changed the story and said he had gotten it working on a truck at his dad's place. This is also, I'm like, this isn't like guess and check. Like, it's not Mad Libs. It's like, you're like, we're like, want to know what the right answer is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, guess who, but it's guess what happened. I play that game when I r- wake up with random leg bruises after a night out, but not a black eye. It doesn't really yeah, no, Exactly. Cause the night, the leg bruises do pop up random. And I'm like, what did I, did I fight myself? You know, who knows? Uh, <laughs> I've started waking up with random hand cuts. That's my new thing, apparently. And I'm not, not even going out and drinking, obviously, because it's quarantine. But like, wow, I don't know what I'm doing in my sleep. Maybe you're purelling so much that your skin's extra dry. Who knows? That could be a thing. I mean, here's that science. So then he also join me on Team Mysterious Hand Cuts. Yeah. <laughs> the best is that his third excuse, he just went full Beyonce. I woke up like this. He just said he was like, I don't know. The black what guy. What the fuck? Again, you can't get it. Like, I feel if you someone punched you or something fell on you in the middle of the night, you would wake up enough to like recall that that happened. You wouldn't just be like, oh my God. You would just what? wake up with the black eye. Again, I feel like the theme of this episode is just that's just not how that works. <laughs> you don't just wake up with a black eye unless the, someone punched you in your sleep. The theme of this episode is like, instead of like making a law, why don't you just connect one dot so you can actually solve this? <laughs> oh my God. I know. So, also, on top of all this, according to one of Kristen's friends who was at the party, Paul was trying to flirt with her all night. Sketchy. And apparently, he was known on campus as, quote, unquote, uh, this shows that this is from the 90s, or whatever, because it's <laughs> Chester the Molester. <laughs> no. No. Oh, my God. The, the fact that <laughs> He is known to be such a fucking rapist, assaulted piece of shit that they gave him a rhyming pun nickname (laughs) with no action ever taken. So bad, but so like, oh god, my god! Can you imagine? Oh, that's Chester the Molester. Oh, his name's Chester, not Paul. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, but he's so creepy that we had to give him a fake name just so it could rhyme with molester. Yeah, Was, was there any action being taken against him? No. What do you mean? Oh, I got it. Got it. Got it. Oh my god! So, so he he of course got this name because several women uh, came forward alleging that he had assaulted them both physically and sexually. So he really does have a had a track record for doing heinous things. He became Great. a person it, very yeah. He became a person of interest in the case. Uh, police conducted a search of his dorm room ten days later. Might we add? Because remember, as we know, no one was being searched anything. Uh, but by then he dropped out of college and emptied out his room of all his belongings. Not sketchy at all. Right. Definitely something an innocent person with nothing to hide would do. Yeah. But even with this, cadaver dogs were brought into the room and they alerted the police of Paul's mattress, but they found no additional evidence, probably because he, like we were saying, had over a week and a half to Clorox some shit, Lysol away, you know, spray it for breeze. 
<laughs> priest. I guess it's like I guess the cleanest um male dorm room would ever be is if you're trying to avoid that you were a murderer. That's the time he'll whip out. Yeah. I suppose a silver lining of I sorts. Guess I, I, here's the thing. They also found something that could have been uh one of Kristen's earrings at Paul's mother's house, but was not marked as evidence, but also wait for it. Sarah, what happened to that earring? The police lost it. Like, like, I'm about to lose it. You have one job. Apparently, police legally don't even have to stop a crime. So, like, this is your fucking job. It, it, truly, you had one job. <sighs> San Luis Obispo County District's attorney's officials brought in Flores for questioning. According to records of said questioning, an investigator pressed him. He pulled his arms into his T-shirt Bent over at the waist in his chair, run full yoga, lifted his feet off the floor as if moving towards a fetal position and yelled. If you are smart, then tell me where the body is. I can kind of picture that, you know, when you're a kid in gym class and you just put your arms inside of your shirt. Oh, right. You're just like, no, you don't. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real. I mean, listen, I know we try not to generally speculate on like what innocent people would or guilty people would do, but like, come on, you know. We, we can speculate on what someone would do and what someone who is clearly right. hiding something. It's like would what do. body? Like at this point, she's just still presumed missing, probably. Yeah, yeah like if you're like, so that's sketchy as fuck. Like, God. It is unclear why <laughs> the police did not just arrest this motherfucker right there, because that kind of looked sketch. But it probably had to do with the lack of evidence that they had from, you know, waiting over a week and a half, assuming she was just in uh, Cuba or wherever she just was on vacation. Just taking a little weekend. I guess, guess Cuba was the one place she couldn't go on vacation then. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, <literally. laughs> that would have been a different thing. Uh, I would have loved to see her passport. But uh, <clears throat> so the smarts decided to take justice into their own hands and sued him in civil court for the wrongful death of Kristen. Paul was officially called in for the deposition in November 97, but by then he had lawyered up and he, the deposition was not very fruitful because so much time has passed. They really, they weren't able to bring a lot of evidence to the table because they weren't finding any fucking evidence because they waited fucking two weeks to do anything. Uh, do we want to listen to a clip from yes, the deposition? We absolutely do. Did you report uh, your... 85 Nissan truck stolen in San Diego recently. On the advice of my attorney, I refuse to answer that question based on the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution. In May of 96, were you a student at Cal Poly? On the advice of my attorney, I refuse to answer that question based on the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Uh, please provide me with the employment positions that you have held since uh, you started high school? On the advice of my attorney, I refuse to answer that question based on the Fifth Amendment of the United States Constitution. Okay, so we are sensing a pattern. We get the gist here. Um, in fact, actually, if you look on Kristen's website, which I think is made by her family, um, they basically rip into Paul um, for constantly pleading the Fifth and being uncooperative. So this was like his thing. And he in fact, turned around and sued them for like emotional distress. Uh, which uh, I fuck you, dude. Fuck you. It doesn't his voice just sound like 
classic, like a lacrosse boy voice too. And I can say that because I played lacrosse. And I mean, my voice is not doesn't sound <laughs> like that. So I can judge lacrosse. I don't have anyone from fucking lacrosse players coming at me. God forbid you offend the lacrosse boys. I would get sued for fucking emotional distress. <laughs> yeah. That'd be <laughs> so angry. Yeah. So he did not say a single thing helpful. Uh, and then it cut to six years after her disappearance to the day in 2002, Kristen was declared presumed dead. And the case sort of just went cold from there just because truly there's nothing really to work on or jump on. Until recently. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> oh, also, here's a fun fact. So at one point, Scott Peterson was like sort of implicated in this because it turns out that they went to the same school at the same time. Um, but then oh, yes. it turned out that like he had nothing to do with it. But like initially he was or maybe like around the time in I think 2002, like he started getting dragged into the Kristen Smart case. But yeah, it turns out that he had nothing to do with it. So that was a fun little, little crossover. There actually have been some recent developments because I suppose behind the scenes, police kept, you know, investigating, doing the things that we give them our tax dollars to do, I suppose. Mm. And there actually has been a lot of activity about this case. You've probably seen it in the news. You probably saw it in the Facebook group. Um, And so this is still an ongoing investigation. So some of the information that the authorities know may not have been released to the public yet, but there is a lot of stuff that we do know. A lot. Yeah, a lot. So in 2014, police brought good boy cadaver dog Buster, the best boy, to the property next to Paul's family's home. And Buster alerted police to the presence of human remains on the fence separating both properties. You can guess what the Floreses did. They complied, let the police search. No, just kidding. Psych. <laughs> uh, they didn't allow the police to search the property, which like, you know what? Fair enough, because I also think that nobody should like ever consent to a search without a warrant, but still, I just dislike these people. Oh, exa- exactly. It is also something a guilty person would say to do. Yeah. Are you calling me guilty? <laughs> I don't I'm just stating facts. <laughs> right. So then there was an, an excavation on campus in 2016, and police were quoted saying it was beneficial. We don't really know exactly what happened immediately. But then in February 2020, authorities executed search warrants at four locations in California and Washington state, and they recovered what they called items of interest. All right. I'm listening. Mm. So we don't exactly know what they found yet, but whatever it was, it was definitely significant because finally on April 13th, 2021, Paul Flores was arrested and charged with the murder of Kristen Smart. Yeah. Uh, uh, how many decades later? Like truly. Two. Yeah. How old am I? Three. God, a lot. Too much. Too many decades. Three, I think. Yeah. Too much time. Just shy of three decades, I guess. So also Paul's father, Ruben Flores, was arrested on that same day, charged with being an accessory after the murder. And um, basically, they also found that um, I think they like excavated the soil or something at um their family house and found that a body had been there, but it was moved. Perfect. And the San Luis Obispo County DA held a press conference after the arrest where he said it's alleged Mr. Flores caused the death of Kristen Smart while in the commission of or attempted rape. So I just did a little bit of digging um, 
And while the statute of limitations have expired on any rape charge, obviously there is no statute of limitation on murder. So we still get him. Still get him. I also feel like why should I feel like we should not have a statute of limitation on rape either. Yeah, that's a whole other SVU episode. That's true. That is a different. That's not a podcast title. That's the episode. That's a that's a that's a a conversation I guess you have to bring to the courts. Yeah, we'll we'll call it the DA. DA, Um, And also, I mean, for their part, the Floreses are saying that like all the evidence is circumstantial, and and they said that the disturbance to the soil was because they like redid the foundation to the house or something. People think of bodies from there. (laughs) Yeah, like whatever, man. So then, I mean, that would be my official reply if I were the judge. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) And then on April 19th, they both pleaded not guilty, basically saying what I said above. Their lawyer was kind of going ham and being like, none of this evidence is like actually legit at all. And, you know, it's going to be it's going to remain to be seen. We'll see if they go to trial or if they just plead out. Um, I mean, they are pleading not guilty, but who knows if they'll switch that or get a deal. Um, But the Smart family released a statement following the arrest saying, we now put our faith in the justice system and move forward, comforted in the knowledge that Kristen has been held in the hearts of so many and that she has not been forgotten. So I think we are going to get at least a resolution. And hopefully the family will finally get answers if the Floreses don't plead the fifth like assholes the whole time. Well, now it's the thing, too. We got more evidence. So you guys can keep playing the fifth. But it might just hurt you now at this point. So you better fucking start talking. Or like, hey, dad and ma, strike a deal and put your fucking kid who did this away. Dad and mom. Yeah, we'll see. But I mean, it's I guess it's just interesting because it maybe just because we researched this sort of like after developments were happening. But it was like it was clearly this guy, but it took so long to finally get the required evidence to charge him. It's so it's one of those infuriating moments because it's a thing where I feel like even before you're like, OK, what other what other possibility that makes sense? Could it be besides the person right. who was creepy, known as a molester on campus, was flirting with her all night, went up yeah. to her, passed out with people saying, oh, walk her home was like, oh, guys, I got her rolled up with a black eye and never saw her again crazy also like oh gosh i hope that those people did not know that he was called chester the molester when they were like sure dude take over yeah hey cheryl and tim yeah well i mean who knows if frat people were i mean right hopefully they just i mean i'm assuming they didn't know because no i don't think anybody in good conscience could do that no they knew Ugh. well well that's that on this very high profile case yes yeah, so we'll also see I, there might be updates over the weekend before this comes out but so if so we'll probably be talking about them in the facebook group yes not another true crime group and also um check out the instagram which is for now NHTC pod if it does change we're just changing it to not another true crime so still the same idea but less random letters just it's so many it's like yeah right now it's a lot of like wingdings situation coming at you it was like do i go with an assortment of letters that seems indecipherable or do i go with an extremely long handle Mm. and i and we're going with the latter this time so we'll see how that works out for us Instagram only lets you do like 16 characters, I think, or something like that. I hope that the game Jorge has planned for us has 900 characters because I just want to play it forever. And I know <laughs> the listeners love it too because everyone just always DMs. Jorge's voice is like butter. It's so fun. So let's see what he's got cooking up for us. 
All right, Danny, you might be in luck. I think this is a, it's a, lot, of, a lot of game we got here. Ooh. It's a topic that I hold very close to my heart. So we saw in this crime that good boy Buster and the other police dogs had a very strong influence on this crime. That's so true. This was like the one case where the cadaver dogs were helpful. Unlike Madeline McCann, where they were just like, no, we don't really know. Right. Everybody as fuck. Everybody as fuck. Good yeah. boys. <laughs> so today we're going to pay tribute to all the good boys and good girls out there with a game called Unleash Your Potential. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. We also put that on a home goods pillow. <laughs> I want a dog. I love that. So we have a series of questions about famous pups from all around the world, and we're going to test your knowledge on them. All right. So hopefully... You know what these dogs are. Are you ready? Ready. I'm ready. All right. The first question is, what is the name of the first dog to travel to space? Was it A, Pluto, B, Laika, C, Lisa, or D, Chernushka? <clears throat> well, here's my thing. <laughs> Who the fuck is making a dog go to space? That's just animal abuse. <laughs> There is no way the dog enjoyed that. But I'm going with Lisa because that sounds fun. Okay. I'm going to go with Laika because actually who is sending the dog into space? Russia, because we were in the space race with them in like the 60s, Cold War, whatever, other 1960s buzzwords. You are right, Sarah. It was Laika. Oh, my God. Mm. Just and like a prayer. Danny, you are uh, very right. To say that, oh, your dog agrees with me. You did not bring your dog for the dog game. (laughs) Oh, Daisy Goo Girl. So, this good girl, Laika, was the first animal to orbit the Earth. And Sarah was right. This did happen during the space race. This was in 1957. She was put on board the Russian Sputnik 2. And she actually proved that life was possible in space. However, she did die about an hour into her orbit because there was some overheating that was caused by a malfunction on the Sputnik 2. Oh no. But even if that didn't happen, the Russians only had packed one meal for a seven day journey. What the, so they wanted this dog to die in there. Yeah. So uh, as we can expect from the fifties though, no one batted an eye and this was just kind of like a major step forward in the space race. But we're on to you, Moscow. Don't fuck with dogs, all right? Yeah. Right? That's going to be our documentary. <laughs> what are we going to do? I don't know yet. Body movement will be involved. Yes. <laughs> they did erect a statue in her honor in Moscow, but that's not enough. Russia oh. should change their name to Laika. The, ooh, I like that. There we go. <laughs> it's a little more approachable, too, as a, as a name. That's true. All right. Next up, we have a question about the Iditarod. Do you guys know what the Iditarod is? No idea. Is Oh, that's the dog bobsledding? No, the dog racing thing? That is dog race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a little background on this before we get to the question. It's the longest dog sled race in the world. It takes place in Alaska. And you have various teams of 14 dogs, which are mostly Alaskan Huskies. Aww. And they race in like truly awful conditions. Um, windshield temperatures can reach as low as negative 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, my God. And the fastest that this race has ever been completed is eight days. Oh, All right. Sheesh, that does not sound like my idea of a good time. <laughs> I know. No. 
So the question is, how long, how many miles is this race? So for context, the U.S. is about 2,700 miles across from like Atlantic to Pacific. So that's 2,700 miles. So is this race 150 miles, 500 miles, 750 miles, or 1,000 miles? Do, 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 do. 500 miles. Okay. Um, I also wanted to say 500, but now I'll just say 750. You're both wrong. It is a thousand miles. Oh my oh god! My it is, is that where the song comes from? Race. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. And I'm freezing. <laughs> god. Thousand miles? It's crazy. But while looking up these facts, I actually found an amazing story of this guy called Colonel Norman Vaughn, who completed this race thirteen times. What's um, wrong with them? The last. Time he completed the race, he was over 80 years old, which is insane. He was well known as an explorer, and mm-hmm. his first exploration was in 1928 when he was going to Harvard. And he heard that some guy called Bird was planning an exploration to the South Pole. So he dropped out of Harvard and just went what? off and joined this guy on this exploration. Wow. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> So he was an explorer at heart and he lived to be over a hundred years old. So maybe he was doing something right. Okay, he was something. And when he turned a hundred, he had a huge party blow out with a bunch of friends and everyone came <laughs> My God. and he drank alcohol for the first time what? because he had promised his mom that he would not drink a drop of alcohol until he was a hundred. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a lot of follow up questions, but I feel like that's probably how he lived to be a hundred. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Also, to prove that point, he died four days after that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, an icon. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We stand hard alcohol. (laughs) We kind of do. (laughs) Also, the thing that kind of makes me laugh about that, too, is like, no shade to him and anyone else who does it. I'm like, is that a sport where the human should get applauded? It's the dogs doing all the work. That's true. That's true. But they do take care of these dogs over this journey. You know, they feed them and make sure they are, they're happy and give them pets and stuff. How so. do you make sure a dog is happy while like going at a negative 100 degrees? <laughs> I guess Husky's probably like being cold, but I don't know if that cold. Yeah, that's probably a little extreme. But if you do look up pictures of the Iditarod, the dogs are all having a ball. Like Aww, you can okay. tell they're loving it. They're just. Aww. Maybe they're having the alcohol for the humans. <laughs> right. All right, uh, Sarah leads one to zero. Next up, we have what was the inspiration for famous crime-solving dog Scooby Doo? <gasps> oh. So, what was the inspiration for his name specifically? Mm. Oh. Was it A, the creator's passion for scuba diving? B, Frank Sinatra's jazzy scatting? <laughs> C. <laughs> The gang, you know, the gang scooting around to solve different crimes. Or D, the creator's baby's first words. Ooh. Oh. I'm going to go with scuba diving. I'm going to go with the baby. The correct answer was Frank Sinatra's. Jazzy sky. <laughs> oh my god, I was so between the two of them. Damn it. Ugh. I feel like I only listen to like New York, New York, and my way. I don't think he scats in those. 
Oh, I guess like scatting is that. Right. Yeah. This is from his song, Strangers in the Night, near the end. Let's listen to it. Let's. Well, there we go. There we go. So the creator, Fred Silverman, had actually pitched a show about teenagers solving crime that CBS rejected. They were like, that's way too scary. That would never get produced. So he decided to structure the restructure the show so that a dog was the protagonist to make it more kid friendly. Um, and he was on a red eye flight from L.A. and he couldn't sleep. So he was sort of like a little delirious. And as he was landing, this song by Frank Sinatra came on the PA saying doobie doobie doo. And he was like, that's it. That's what I'll name the dog. And that's all I'll name the show. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. And it that's just really stuck. cool. Yeah. Also, the Scooby Doo franchise is alive and well. I'll have you all know. Actually, DC Comics has recently taken over the franchise and <laughs> they've released a series of sort of revamp comics on Scooby Doo that are all, that all take place in a post-apocalyptic landscape. It's the <laughs> most insane thing. Um, look it up. These images are so funny. Shaggy is like a full-on hipster with an epic beard. He has plugs. Oh, He's wearing lumberjack clothes. Okay, Scooby is a it. cyborg dog. He has like a, a special eye thing. Hate that. <laughs> Fred gives off some very strong like Buzz Lightyear vibes. He's like, you know, has all this suit and, and jetpacks and stuff. It's oh, pretty wow. nutty. That's so, kind of fun. Yeah, it looks I still fun. love a pup named Scooby-Doo. I, when they were like kids. Oh, that was the yeah. cutest. Oh my god, the little wait, Scrappy Doo? Oh, Scrappy Doo. Yes, and Scrappy. That bitch was cute. Oh my god. So oh. I actually read that Scrappy Doo almost didn't make it to air because the CBS executives thought that he wasn't a good role model. Cause he was like rebellious or whatever. And mm. then the creator was like, no, he's like, he's strong. And he gets things done. He's like exactly what He's kids scrappy. should look up to. He's, He's scrappy. scrappy. Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, uh, justice for Scrappy. Well, I guess <laughs> justice was served because he was in it. And a, a scene stealer. <laughs> All right. Next up, a question about Harry Potter. Y- yikes. I don't know anything. Oh, you don't? Um, <laughs> I know sorry. two things. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Who did Hagrid purchase Fluffy, the three-headed dog, from at the Leaky <laughs> Cauldron. Okay. Was it A, an English feller, B, a Greek chappy, C, a Spanish laddie, or D, a Scottish sailor? Oh my God. Who the hell knows? I don't know a single word you just said. (laughs) (laughs) Same. From Hagrid to this. Sorry. Sometimes I just assume that everyone is a super fan like I am, but, you know, I guess we can't all be enlightened. No, I'm the opposite. I'm I'm not enlightened. I have not touched a book. I have not. I've seen one of the movies. <laughs> it was one where Dobby died and everyone screamed. And I was like, who is this? Um, For some reason, I was sure, Danny, that you were a super fan, too. I don't know where I got that. No, it, anything that involves reading a lot. And it usually is not, 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 not my forte. But Twilight, Twilight, I'll go all in on. Okay. okay. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Uh, uh, Scottish? <laughs> What are the choices? Scottish, English, Spanish, or Greek? Greek. Wait, what kind of dog was it? 
It's a three-headed like a three-headed dog. Three-headed what the giant fuck dog. did I say for? I was trying to go by breed. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I'll stick with Scottish. I want to say English, but they're all English. So why would he say that? But is he English? He has a part, like a, a very strong accent. Okay, I'm oh. overthinking this. He could be Scott. I'm going to go with an English person. You're both wrong. Is it Spanish? It was a Greek chappy. That was actually the last thing I was going to guess because I was like, what would a guy from Greece be doing over there? Yeah. Yeah. It was that. And this was in the book. In the movie, to all your super fans, you might have noticed this. They actually changed it to an Irish feller for some strange reason. Hmm. They just never explained why? No. Yeah. Well, you know, they changed the name from Philosopher's Stone to Sorcerer's Stone in the first movie because they thought American audiences weren't wouldn't like want to see a movie about a philosopher. But also, uh, wasn't that the British version was like Philosopher's Stone and then the books, too, were Sorcerer's? I think the books in America were Sorcerer's Stone, but everything yeah. in the UK originally was Philosopher's. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So um, after Fluffy was relieved of his duties from guarding the Sorcerer's or Philosopher's Stone, Hagrid set him free in the Forbidden Forest. I feel like I'm talking <laughs> to someone who I, like, no I idea remember what I'm this. About this. You are talking to me just like I'm nodding in calculus <laughs> class. I'm like, go on. <laughs> Uh, but eventually, just to, to end the story, he did. Uh, Fluffy did find his way back to Greece. So Aww. here's to hoping that Fluffy is living his life in Mykonos, just, you know, living his best life out <laughs> oh, there. This scary three-headed dog in Mykonos. <laughs> this is how you throw a party in Mykonos. It's just Lindsay yeah, Lohan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last up, we're still one to zero with Sarah leading. <laughs> Close game. <laughs> what is the name of the ancient Egyptian god that was depicted with dog-like features? Was it A, Anubis, B, Osiris, C, Horus, or D, Isis? Osiris. I think it's Anubis. Sarah is right again. It was Anubis. <laughs> you know, I had this weird sense of deja vu. Like, have we done a similar question to this? Or maybe I just like watched The Prince of Egypt or something. Oh. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think we've ever maybe. talked about Anubis because that's a name I would remember. Yeah, I when I was a kid, I was obsessed with like Egyptian gods. So I this was I loved all this stuff. Um, Anubis was actually the god of um, he was like the guardian of the dead. So he would watch over the bodies while they were getting mummified or embalmed before they were taken to the other side by Osiris, which was the god of like resurrection into the eternal life. Mm. But he was giving, yeah, very dog like features. And some historians think that the breed of the dog that they modeled Anubis after is the Pharaoh Hound, which is a real breed of dog that is very intelligent, fast, very energetic, and they love to run and need a big yard. So if you're looking for a good pet, check out the Pharaoh's Hound. All right. Pharaoh's Hound. So that is our game. Sarah, you did unleash your pup potential. Yay! And you won the game. Congratulations. Woo. You this win every uh, book in Harry Potter's uh, journey collection. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, this is so fun. Thank you, Jorge. Once again, people of are course. loving the games. Oh, they're loving the games. I'm, I think they're the, they're the perfect sound off. They're a good relaxing. Now I'm Googling Pharaoh Hounds. They're so chic. They yeah. are, right? They're really like, I'm like, I want it to protect me from things. I don't even know what, but... 
I'm going to Google that too. Well, in the meantime, while we Google Pharaoh hounds, guys, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. Give us five stars. We really appreciate it. Please. please yeah, seriously, please follow us on Instagram and ATC pod. Um, what else do we need to do? Join the group, not another true crime group. Just answer the question. Say something about the podcast. We'll let you in. If you can't answer the questions, I'm going to make you sit in purgatory until you fill them out. <laughs> And that's now what you want to do because it's fun in there. Um, otherwise, you can follow me on Instagram at Sarah Lameem. You can follow me at Cashmere Danny, Cashmere with a K. And we thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll be back in your ear next week talking about crime. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.